before I give the message today, speaking of prayer, I want to express my deep appreciation to all of you uh, for praying for my grandbaby, um, Elise, baby Elise. Uh, she was, is five pounds, two ounces, 17 and a half inches. And I appreciate you praying for both Melissa, the mother, and Elise. Uh, it was really touch and go. And I'll tell you, it was uh, pretty scary last week for us. Uh, they had to rush her in and deliver the baby. And um, there was a, uh, a possibility that the uh, umbilical cord would rupture and that the mother and daughter could hemorrhage. And I want to tell you, that baby's a miracle baby. And I thank you for your prayers. Really appreciate your prayers because God was really working in that situation. And we were immensely relieved. So thank, thanks to all of you who prayed for my family. Let's join together in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As you can probably tell, it's stewardship time. <laughs> and I know y'all are all excited about that. But just keep in mind, nearly every church I know of, even our home church in Plano, uh, Matt Gaston is doing a series of stewardship sermons. But I'm going to be doing a series of sermons called Purposeful Giving. That's going to be the theme of our uh, stewardship program this year. In the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring a variety of ways in which we can purposely give to God. Now this morning, we're going to talk about what it means to purposely give of our talents, our skills, our abilities to serve Jesus Christ. Next week, we're going to take a look at what it means to purposely serve God with the use of our time, of our time. And we're going to discover just how precious time is. It's more, far more precious than money. And then in the last sermon on November the 18th, which we've set aside as Celebration Sunday and also a Sunday when we'll turn in our pledge cards, we're going to be looking at what it means to purposely use our financial treasures and resources. So that's what we're going to be doing in the next few weeks. But this morning, I want to talk to you about skills and abilities. And before I do so, let me begin with a commercial announcement. Craig and Lori Davis and Bruce and Joanna uh, Breckenfell uh, are over our uh, visitation team. What they do is they contact visitors on Sunday afternoons, a very important ministry that extends the ministry of this church and lets people know we care. And we're just reciprocating their visit. But we need help. And if you have, it's not for everybody, but if you have people skills, if you enjoy conversing with people, this is for you. Do I have a job for you? So I'm going to ask, uh, Craig couldn't be with us today, but I'm going to ask Lori and Bruce and Joanna to please stand. And they can use your help. So before they leave today, if you have that skill, if you enjoy visiting with people, and I know that we have people here that do, because I've talked to you, okay? Uh, please see them before uh, they leave this afternoon, because this is really an important way of fulfilling our mission vision. You remember our vi mission vision? You remember what it is? Filling every neighborhood with the good news of God's love. Let's repeat that again. Filling every neighborhood with the good news of God's love. One more time. Filling every neighborhood with the good news of God's love. That is our vision statement. And that guides us as to what we should be about as a church. Everything we do in this church 
should come out of that vision statement. And the use of our talents should reflect that. So we're going to be emphasizing that in the next few weeks. But let's talk about talents and abilities. Now, whether we realize it or not, we've all been entrusted with a gift or talent that could benefit the church. While some of us might deny it, if we were truly honest with ourselves, we would have to admit that we have some skill, talent, or ability that can benefit Christ's ministry in the church. Now, there are some things that I can do that you might not be able to do. While there are other things that you can do that I can't. But you know what? It seems like I always run across people in churches who say to me, but preacher, I have no talent. I can't do anything. You ever heard anybody say that? I saw one of our kids said that this morning. But you know, God has given each of us talents to be used for his glory. And when people say that to me, you know how I respond? I say, you have a talent. You just haven't discovered it yet. You have a talent. You just haven't discovered it yet. Well, this morning, I want to make two points that can help us to purposely use our gifts for God's service and our talents. Let me repeat that. This morning, I want to make two points that can help us to purposely use our talents and skills for God's purpose. So as usual, if you'd like to follow along, you should have a sermon outline in your bulletin for your convenience. Fill in the blanks, take it home, see what God may be saying to you this week. And uh, if you prefer, you can follow along with the PowerPoint presentation. So let's begin with the first point. First of all, we need to identify our talents. First of all, we need to identify our talents. Now naturally, this calls for realism. We can overestimate or underestimate our skills and abilities. Discovering our talent can sometimes be a difficult task. Often, it requires that we make a careful inventory of our skills. You remember what Jesus said? Seek and what? Seek and you will find. Seek and you shall find. That's what we're called to do. And you know, there are often important clues as to what our talent may be. Now, whether you realize it or not, our talent is usually closely related with our interest. What you enjoy doing can often be an important clue as to what your talent and your skill may be. Now, you don't have to be a genius to have a talent. Most of us aren't talented geniuses, but most of us are endowed with a few modest skills and abilities. However, you could just possess an extraordinary talent and not even realize it. Take 16-year-old Amanda Dunbar. Several years ago, Amanda Dunbar was a student at Allen High School in Allen, Texas. She possessed an extraordinary talent for painting she never even knew she had. In fact, it wasn't until she reached the eighth grade and took an art course that Amanda discovered her talent for painting. Amanda's paintings have been compared to Monet. And she's developed her own style that rivals that of some of the French Impressionist and American Expressionist painters. Today, Amanda's paintings sell for between ten dollars and $18,000. Wow. 
after she appeared on Oprah Winfrey several years ago, 80 galleries across the nation expressed an interest in exhibiting Amanda's work. All because an eighth grade girl took an art course and accidentally discovered a gift that brings great beauty and enjoyment to the world. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not suggesting we're all artistic geniuses. But you know, each one of us has some skill or ability. And even though we may not be artistic geniuses, we've been endowed with a few modest skills and abilities. And God wants us to use these skills to glorify God. You see, all of us have talents and abilities. And even though we may not know what they are, we owe it to ourselves, to God, and the world to identify that talent. And that brings us to the second point I want to make this morning. And this is even more important. Second, we need to use our talents. Second, we need to use our talents. Now, identifying our talents is just the first step. We need to also use our talents. As Peter tells us in our scripture reading this morning, use them well to serve one another. Use them well to serve one another. I suspect that many of us know that we have skills, talents, and abilities. But we refuse to use them out of fear or just laziness. You know, the mission of Jesus Christ could be served if we would just make an effort to develop these talents. But more often than not, we don't. Once while the ship, the Queen Elizabeth, was loading for a trip to Europe, there was a large pile of trunks sitting on the dock. All of them had the label, not wanted on the voyage. Not wanted on the voyage. They were to be stowed away in the hold as they were packed with things that weren't needed for the short trip. Let me ask you, how many of us have used that same label on the start of our voyage through life. We've written across our talents, not wanted on the voyage, put it away in the hole. This is a pleasure trip. I can't be encumbered. But you know, God calls us to identify and use our talents for God's service. And you know, God wants us to use these gifts for the common good. He wants us to use these gifts for the common good. And I'm convinced that we have many people in our congregation who could be using their talents, skills, and abilities for the common good of the church, but who because of fear or just plain laziness don't want to. Now, I mentioned earlier about the visitation team. That's one area. You know, if you just enjoy visiting with people, that's an area in which you could serve. But we have other areas. I understand we need people to make coffee. Now, that's a pretty humble task, but I think it's one that a lot of us could do. Uh, we'll need uh, volunteers for Vacation Bible School. There are all kinds of areas of ministry. We don't all have the same gift. We have different gifts, but each of us could be using our talent and skill to forward the ministry of this church, filling every, every neighborhood with the good news of God's love. You see, I'm convinced we have many people in our congregation who could fill these areas. But you know what? God gives us freedom. God gives us the ability to choose or refuse our gifts. We can either choose to use our talent 
for the common good of the church, or we can refuse it and hide it. That's the choice that God gives us. God doesn't force us to use our gifts or talents. God gives us that choice. Well, I want to close with a true story about two different men who had the same talent. Two different men who had the same talent. In the autumn of 1889, a Polish-born naval officer named Josef Korzanowski, a veteran of 11 years in the British Merchant Marine, was temporarily without a vessel and was living in a flat in London. Now, early one morning after breakfast, he sat down behind a desk and he began writing. He wrote about a man that he met a year before while sailing as the second mate on the steamship Vidar, gathering rubber and cane from Borneo. Till I began to write that novel, Korsanowski later recalled, I'd written nothing but letters, and not very many of these. I never made a note of a fact, of an impression, or of an antidote in my life. He'd been a hard-working and expert mariner, had earned his captain's license, and had given every sign of devotion to the sea. Now, the novel that Captain Korzanowski began writing in his London flat turned out to be Al Mayer's Folly. Al Mayer's Folly. It was a first published work by an author who went on to produce such classics as Lord Jim, Youth and Typhoon, under the anglicized version of his name, and maybe you've heard of him, Joseph Conrad. Joseph Conrad. He was a hard-working and expert mariner and had given every sign of devotion to the sea. But you know, even more amazing, he wrote in his acquired language English rather than his native Polish. Think about that. Now, why a hard-working mariner who's given every sign of devotion to the sea should suddenly emerge into a full-blown English author is one of the fascinating mysteries of literary history and of individual behavior. At any rate, Joseph Conrad discovered his gift and used it. He used it. Now, let's look at another famous writer, a young man by the name of Stephen Crane. Stephen Crane's approach to his talent was much different than Conrad. Crane discovered his talent much sooner than Conrad. He was phenomenal at an early age. He wrote two novels and was famous before he was 22. In fact, several years later, he wrote his most important novel, The Red Badge of Courage, which placed him solidly among America's leading novelists, Hawthorne, Melville, and Twain. But there was something strange about Stephen Crane. He seemed to be, as one literary critic put it, afraid of his talent, so much so that he didn't want to live. He was determined to die by the time he reached 35, and he beat that by seven years. He was dead at 28. He lived a wild and irresponsible life. He married once a madam of a house of prostitution. He lived dangerously, more often than not, drunk and penniless, with scandal attached to his name. So, who was with him in his last fever-ridden days? Who was with him in his last days? None other than Joseph Conrad, who was ever by his side during his fatal illness and who waited on him hand and foot. 
two of the world's greatest writers, Joseph Conrad and Stephen Crane. Conrad recognized and developed his talent. Crane tried to hide his and run from it. Now, what complex reasons for either response we can't fully understand. But you know what? Something of either response is in all of us, regardless of what spiritual gift might be within us. Well, in conclusion, using our talents, how will we respond? How will we respond? We can go the way of Conrad or Crane. We can purposely use our talent for God's glory, or we can refuse it and hide it. What will we do with our talent? Only we can decide. Whoever has the ears to hear, let that one hear what the Spirit says to the church. Amen.